Have you heard that bang in the garage in the middle of the night? Could it have been a spring or a garage door has broken? Call the experts at Precision Door Service. Two numbers to contact them. Area code 708-474-6657 or 219-306-8155. They can always be reached online at precisiongarage-door.com. Those numbers again, in case of emergency, with your garage door, Precision Door Service at 708-474-6657 or 219-306-8155. You can always get them online at precisiongarage-door.com. Thanks for checking out another 316 podcast. I'm Clayton from 316 Creative Works. Today we are part three of talking with Ivan. Mm. Before we get into that, and we're trying to land this plane this this time. I don't. I, it's such an incredible story. I think we're gonna have to go four on this one. Yeah. But before we get into that, we, let's let's thank our favorite people in the world. First of all, let's 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 go backwards this time. Let's thank our sponsors, uh, the guys who redid the studio for us, is Delo Studio Designs, uh, underwritten in part by my new business partners, Payrock. World Access Credit Card Processing. Uh, love those guys. Uh, love what we're doing. Thanks, guys. Great to partner with you. Uh, thanks to the house manager, Danielle, uh, the creative producer, who is Esther, our technical producer, who is Justin. And uh, thanks for making all things possible to Larry and Sandy. Thanks, guys, for checking out part three of uh, Talking with Ivan. It gets better and better, doesn't it, brother? Seems like it. Uh, so we ended last time with... Uh, you're finding this girl in San Francisco. Yeah. God, God ripped you out of Chicago, yeah. and he put you in where where you were in utter despair, right? Because right. it was nobody that you knew, nobody that you loved, nobody that you liked. Yeah. Uh, you had some family out there. You hated God. You hated church. You hated the whole deal. But God said, here's a beautiful girl, yeah. and you just chased her. Yeah, and it was only just because everything she was was different from everything I ever knew. You know, at this age, at this time, I was already active as a, as a young kid. So the fact that I met a beautiful girl who was not only beautiful but smart and strong, you know, was just taboo to me. And, you know? and, and pure, a good kid. I yeah, mean, yeah. It was just she wasn't yeah. a, sh- a street hustler. No, yeah. Even right. though she came from a home of street men, you know, like her 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 brothers, her uh, her uncle. Her uncle was actually the leader of a uh, of a big gang a part of a Northaniel gang, but uh, his own street, uh, 30th Street Ghost Town in San Francisco. Um, so she was very much around gang affiliation her whole life. You know, so her background was actually uh, somewhat like mine, just without all the drugs, um, but very much gang affiliated. She grew up around all that street stuff. So how did God become such a big part in her life? Yeah, so her auntie, um, which is, uh, so my wife was adopted by her grandmother, uh, so her dad died when she was five, uh, and then her mom was young, and she wanted to have you know a different type of lifestyle, I guess, or just life took her a different route. And um, my wife, her little brother, uh, and her older sister all got adopted 
by her grand their grandmother by her mother's by her dad's dad's her dad's mom. mother right adopted yeah so all her aunties kids. and uncles almost were like brothers and brothers sisters and to sister, her right? right so they were so right. yeah so her the eldest of her grandmothers uh, became a pastor she met a man and and uh, they both got into church together and they became pastors uh, eventually became youth pastors of the church she was going to when I met her um, and because of that. That's crazy. I mean, let's just stop there for a second because you know you know how uncommon this is. Yeah. I mean, you you know because we know where this story is going, right? right? Yeah. Do you know how how blessed the road is, <laughs> right? I mean, I, yeah. I, I get that there's hardships, there's troubles. I'm yeah, I'm sure, sure, right? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we haven't gotten there yet, but we're going to just to know that that you are one of like one of a million that get out of the lifestyle. Yeah. Right, I mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah. All right, so go ahead. So so you, you see you see this girl, and she's got a broken life too, and she says, yeah. "You're cute, but this will never happen. Yeah. You're a Chicago banger, and we're yeah. not we're not this ain't gonna roll." Yeah. But eventually, something, right? Right. So uh, in Chicago, uh, I was also boxing. So I did boxing, and I did. Uh, my mom would always tell me to get outlets because I would fight a lot, you know, in school and stuff like that. So she. Would, Put me into like martial arts. I did taekwondo, Olympic taekwondo. I did jujitsu. I not jujitsu. I did uh, muay thai and then boxing. Um, and so when I got to California, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna keep doing it. So I found a boxing gym uh, through uh, one of my uh, one of the friends through church. He's actually my wife's cousin. Uh, she was going to a boxing gym, and I said, where is it? You know, she's like, oh, you should sign up at CYC. I'm like, okay, cool. So went to CYC with them one day, and I signed up, and I started boxing. Um, and then her, my wife's sister was like, I want to go too. So she she joined and, and my wife joined. So we kind of all started going to this gym together. And um, my wife kind of stopped doing the boxing thing and she just would go just to be in the stands watching. And uh, then my, my wife's uh, sister decided to take an opportunity and do an after uh, boxing kind of class for women only. And uh, so while we were waiting for her sister, we kind of were just sitting there, right? And conversations would spark up and she would always have these super mature uh, conversations with me and they always had to do with her telling me how I was holding on to things that didn't belong to me, you know, and her telling me, why are you always angry? Like, what do, what is your story? She started asking me what my story is, you know, what, why did you come here? Like, and this is really the only, the first time that we ever started really speaking. Before this, we never really spoke. I just thought she was cute and she knew that, I think, and whatever, that was just that. And then in this place in this gym is where we really started talking and she had a conversation with me that I don't think anybody ever had taken the time to ever ask me. She cared. Yeah, or or acted like it, you know. All right. And uh I just kind of just started talking to her and and uh that became something else. I started started to like her in a different way of just almost being a friend, you know, just being a friend. You just liked being around her. Yeah. And then uh after a while, you know, I just I, I liked I liked her heart. I liked who she was. I wasn't even really after her anymore. Yeah, so it, so it changed. Like. It, it went from a sexual pursuit yeah. to a relation, friendship. Yeah. Get to know. I just liked her heart. I liked her mind. And you felt that she loved you. She actually had an interest in who I you I felt like were. she actually took time to care about what most people never even thought about. You Which know? was unusual to you. Yeah, it was. Because even people that loved you didn't care. Or just didn't know how to uh, navigate how those to. kind of feelings, you know? Right. Because when you grow older, when you go on the streets, and feelings are not part of your 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 structure. Being a punk and being hard is just something that's kind of instilled in you. You know, you don't cry. Men don't cry. Don't be a 
all these words, you know, and, and yeah, 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 yeah. So all these things are now embedded in me to where me speaking of things that make me hurt and my feelings are almost like, why do you want to know these things? You know, these this is, it's irrelevant, you know. Right, right, right. Uh, but I don't know. She just had a way of being able to uh, make not make me feel like I was being soft, you know, uh, and I felt like I could be vulnerable around her for some reason. And that's what, that's what happened. And uh, long story short, I ended up asking her to be my girlfriend uh, after me being invited to her her niece's birthday, and she took me home. She she was driving at a real young age, 16. She was already driving, and um, she took me home. And at this point, I think we both knew that we obviously liked each other. So I just decided to ask, you know, like, man, would you be my girlfriend, you know? And surprisingly, she said yes. Uh-huh. And well, she had some fears, no doubt. I mean, Oh, for sure. Right? For sure, I think she she had fears of what people would think. Well, you, you know? she, you're, you're everything she didn't want. Yeah, you yeah. Know, she and, was and, and, she was trying to run away from her family. Yeah, and also everything that her family didn't want for her. You know, right. so I think her auntie was a big part of the pastor. She was uh, very against me and her being together, especially in the beginning. And now that I look back, I mean, yeah, it it, it looks sketch because well, I'm not it. a I Christian mean, boy. You know, I'm, I'm I'm I was still smoking yeah. weed. I'm still this kid, and eventually she ends up leaving the church to be with me. So. And now you've got a 13-year-old daughter. Now I have a 13-year-old now, daughter. Now you get it. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if Ivan was a part of my son daughter's— is, My son's in fourth grade right now. Right? At his age, I was already you were, smoking. You were doing that. So yeah. you don't want you back then to be no. a part of your kid's yeah, life. Yeah, I can't even imagine that for my son. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right, different life. Yeah. So so eventually she says, yeah, let's—so you guys just start dating? You start going yeah. out, going on in town? Yeah, most of, it, most of it, uh, because I think she had that faith in her, she never went out with me alone. She always had really? her sister with me, her cousin with me. It was almost—that's when I actually started getting closer to the youth because the youth was her was people. Was always there. So a lot of the times it was like movies with the youth, yeah. youth night, you know, right, so your, Denny's, Your whatever. dating relationship with your wife was church. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. And so, if you wanted to make this thing work, you're going to church. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so was she a good Christian girl? She, man, when I met her, she was on the worship team. She was very involved. She was almost uh, intimidating. Uh, how much she loved Jesus and how much she talked about God and how much she wanted to be involved. And she was a the leader of her uh, Christian commission at high school, and you know all these things that were like kind of cool to me just because I thought she was such a boss, you know, and she is. Um, <laughs> the godfather of the, yeah, she of the was just, church. Yeah, she was just so, she was a, she's a little boss woman. She still is today. Uh, uh, but uh, it kind of intimidated me, but I just didn't understand it enough to where it was almost like, ah, I'll just let her do what she does, you know. It just wasn't, for me, it wasn't something that I, 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 th- I don't think I understood enough now to back- even— Back then, when you're when you first start dating, are you still running and drugging and yeah? And she knows this, or are you well, trying to keep it secret? So when I started dating her, that was kind of one of the things that I had to stop, just because she was like, you know, you, if you're gonna be with me, I you can't do that, you know. Yeah, so in the beginning, yeah. So I stopped, I stopped selling because uh, I was selling to people at the church, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, Justin, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, some, not all. No, I get it. I get but it. Hey, not everybody. Not everybody at church is saved, you know? <laughs> no, I, I yeah, so I, I learned you. this early on, you know? But, uh, yeah, so that happened, but I, that obviously had to stop, and, and it was kind of like a promise, I guess, you know, uh-huh. that I had to make to— Did, did you have to go to rehab to, to get to get off of— Well, I never stopped smoking. Smoking and— Yeah, no, no, she alcohol. knew I, I smoked. It, it's just—that's what eventually kind of uh, made her come away from the church, so— we liked each other so much, and we're young that eventually she did, 
retracts from going to church, and she she started smoking, and uh, yeah, she got into it. And her family was very much into that lifestyle as well. So when I met her uncles and I met, uh, you know, her cousins, they were all affiliated, the gang affiliated. Right. They all smoked. The, so I'm like, not, man, your family's like my family. So not I church felt, people, right? No, so uh, I fit in. I almost fit in like a puzzle piece, you right. know, to, with their family. I, I clicked. And uh, so a lot of it in the, in the you know, about a year into our dating ended up being at her aunt's house and having, you know, all these Service family members who drink and, and party and smoke yeah. too. So we now were part of that group now. And now she's with me and she has this boyfriend who now is, you know, part of the crew. And yeah, that, that, that was a big sidetrack to uh, her walk. And I think it, we, we, we loved each other and we wanted to be with each other, but we, but when we got married, I was 19. So I got married at 19. Uh, and that's after me going back and forth to Chicago. So I oh, that, actually. That was only four years after you, you moved to California. Yeah, yeah. So that's and, fast track, bro. Yeah, man. So a lot happened in between. I actually came back to Chicago a few times uh, for like six months each time. Uh, so a long distance thing. But both times I ended up coming back. The, the second time I was actually supposed to be visiting, but we got into a car accident. And uh, that's when I was uh, 18. Um, so I was coming back to visit for a uh, uh, baptism. So for actually for my godson. Uh, and I came to visit. And when she picked me up from the Oakland airport, we got into this accident. Um, and a girl sideswiped us, sideswiped us. She tried to beat us um, at a stop sign. And she just took it. And she hit us right on the side of the car. And it messed up the fender of the car. And it leaked out coolant and all kinds of stuff. And we're like, okay, I, I went in there, I patched it up, and we drove away. And that later on that night, we have to back, go back to San Francisco and pick up her, her sister for the party the next day because she wouldn't have a ride to, to come into the East Bay where we were at for the baptism. So we said, okay. We started driving, and there's a city called Wana Creek where, the, for the most part, you're going uphill. And the car just died on us. Amazing. It literally just started. It just died, just turned off all the lights. It just went bad. So now we're now in this six-lane highway, and we're about four lanes away from the shoulder where we can be safe. So we're trying to make our way to the shoulder, and the car just is going uphill, and it just stops just completely. There's no way. So we're you know, all these cars are just passing. Sun's going down. Lights, emergencies are not working. And my wife's like, you know, lock the doors. And I'm like, this thing in my head, I was like, no, we need to get out of this car. You know, I just you can feel the car is the wind, you know. Like eventually they're not going to see us, you know, because we're up, up on a hill. And you're in in, in lane three of a yeah, six so lane highway. I I look back, and I I see no cars coming in any lane, which is crazy. And I just grab her, and I I we run out from the car, and I'm like I just tell her run up up against the against against the traffic on the shoulder. And so she's running, and cars full of my suitcases and the the baptismal stuff that she had in her trunk, and she had just bought this car. Um, and not even a minute later, a big old school, maybe 80s steel F-150, just no brakes, just straight into the car, okay, makes yeah. a four-door cord into a coupe. And uh, it was just crazy, you know. Like one thing that I remember was someone, I don't even know who it is, jumped over the, the apartment, big tall fence, concrete fence, and laid flares down. And we never knew who it was. And this elderly uh, couple gets out of their car and says, hey, who is that guy? You know, and we're like, what guy? Okay, right. And she's like, uh, the wife is, uh, she said, the guy in white. 
There was a guy in white that laid these flares down. He literally ran across the freeway for you guys and laid these flares down. Who was that? We're like, and it, I, we still get chills for this yeah. day. It's like, who was that guy, who you know, that, guy, that right? stopped traffic when it was so crazy? And when the cops got there, they didn't know what had happened. Like, who laid these flares down? They're like, they're like the guy in white. The guy in white who jumped over the fence. Like, who jumped over the fence and went and hurled it again. And, 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 and here, yeah, right? disappeared over that fence over there. And to this day, we don't know. I mean, I know it was God, but it was just, it was the first thing in my life was like one of those supernatural things where it's unexplainable. And it's just almost, you see God's grace in, in a lot of parts of my life where even before I could understand what his grace was, you know? Um, so we get married and we're not Christian, you know, we're smoking, we're drinking, we're even popping so, pills together now. So you've corrupted the good girl. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. Uh, and then we have our daughter. I was 19, 20, she's 21. Um, and then at 22, we're, uh, we're basically getting divorced. My daughter's going to be two years old, and I'm in the balcony in our apartment in a super bad neighborhood called Richmond, California, hood. And um, I just remember my daughter um, putting her hand on the window, and I'm on the balcony smoking a blunt with my wife's cousin, and I just see her, and I look back, and I have this daddy moment with my daughter, and she sees me, initiates the playing time, and she runs away, you know. So I, I tell Tia, like, here, I'm, I'll be back. And I open the sliding door, and I chase after her, and she knows I'm going to chase after her. And I run into the hallway of our apartment, and there in the apartment, she looks up at me. And the way I always explain it is whether if my daughter said it or not, it happened. My daughter looks up to me and clearly tells me, Daddy, don't die. And I just look down, and I'm, I'm like, What? And I almost get angered. Like, I'm angry by it. I'm almost, like, confused and kind of, what do you, What did you say? And my daughter doesn't even know how to talk that great night. And I'm like, MJ, I'm in the hallway. MJ, what did you say? And uh, she just waddles away into the room. And I'm like, MJ. And uh, it's in that hallway where God allowed me to feel disgusted of who I was. That's the only feeling I can remember. I felt being, I felt disgusted of who I was in that hallway. I looked at my daughter and I said, I'm everything that I said I wouldn't be. I'm everything they said I would be. You know, I'm the drug dealer. At this time, I'm, I'm trying to sell guns and all these things. And, and I'm cutting hair. I've always cut hair. But I was just disgusted. I felt disgusted of who I was as a father, who I was as a husband, as a person. And I just felt like if this was my story, then I'd rather die. You know, like I, I don't want this life. You know, I felt like if this is my story, if this is all I have, then why am I here? You know, this can't be it for me. You know, and uh and this just started this this season of just, I felt crazy, confusion. I felt so many feelings that I never felt in my life. Just this uneasy spirit on me of just suicide, of of giving up. Uh, and that wasn't even my character. You know, my whole life I've been, I feel for the most part, strong headed and never had that kind of character about me of wanting to give up or, but something in my life just kept telling me just to do it, you know? And I owned a lot of guns. I remember one time just putting a gun to my mouth and just wanted to pull it. But something in me just said, this is not you, you know? And I just, I was there in my closet crying, and I could think of just about my daughter not having a father. And I'm just, I just, I decocked my gun, took out the clip, and and I remember going to my car, and I, I go to, I have a, had a, a 95 Chevy Lumina that I had just purchased, and I go to the parking lot of my, of my, of my apartments, and I'm in my car, and I'm just crying with this, Anger. It wasn't even, it was just, I was so angry. And I remember looking up and just 
cussing at God. And, and before this, I never had a, 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 any kind of communication with God. I never acknowledged him. I never prayed. I never even, nothing like that. But in this moment, I just remember looking up in my car, holding my steering wheel so hard and just say, F you, God, for giving me this life, you know, for, for doing this. I said, if this is all you have for me, just take me. I don't want this life. I don't want it, you know. I just remember just cussing at him. Everything I had, I hate you. I just hate you. But I remember now, now that I can look back, that was the very, very first time that I think I had ever even acknowledged that he was real and that there is a God. So, so I, even an FU was better so, than no, so nothing. I, I think I think at that point, I think God saw, looked down, and maybe Timmy, maybe even looked like, you know what? At least you acknowledge me. Right. Now we finally are talking. Like, yeah, now you, now I'm here, right? You know, it's like the first time that I ever acknowledged him. Like, hey, son, you know, I don't care what you're saying. At least you now acknowledge that I am here. Right. So now you have you to know? deal with it. So now I'm, now I'm dealing with it. And it was, like I said, it was just season of feeling just so many things. And at the time, I was going to Barber College in Oakland. And I was watching so many YouTube videos um, on just barbering. Yeah. But every single barber video would always lead up to a sermon somehow. I don't even know how that worked out. I'd end up watching <laughs> Joyce weird, Meyer. Weird coincidence, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just always it'll go from barbering to <clears> some <throat> other weird videos of like Illuminati and Freemasonry, and then eventually end up with T.D. Jakes, uh, Joy, Joyce Meyer, Osteen, uh, so many different, uh, Francis Chan. Uh, I just remember just all these sermons, and I remember just thinking like, I don't even know what they're talking about. Like, right. And I'm just watching them, so I would... Eventually, I would write down their opening scripture that they're basing their sermon off of. And I, I remember asking my wife, and we weren't in talking terms anymore. We just lived together. So I asked her. I remember she had a Bible. So, hey, you still got that Bible? And since we weren't really in good terms, she was like, yeah, what do you need it for? All with attitude. I'm like, dude, do you have it? And she's like, yeah, it's in the closet up top on the shelf. I'm like, so your wife, now you're 20, 21, yeah. your, your wife was this amazing young Christian yeah. and and she when you asked her for her Bible, it was up in her closet. Yeah. So not knowing so she put God away. Yeah. So I think she you. I think she started hiding God. Not hiding, but she was she was having this relationship with God behind my back now because every time we would bring up God, it would piss me off. Yeah. Like, that's not who I am. I'm not going to church. And she would she would remind me a lot of the times like Babe, we need to get back to church. I want to get back to God. Like, I am not happy. I am. She would tell me all the time. I was like, oh, my God, you know, this again. We'd have this conversation, and it pissed me off every single time just because I felt I never knew that I was not meant to be everything for her. Right, I felt right, like right, I had right, to yeah, be you, that yeah, person. Yeah, and the, the fact king. that she would, yeah, I had yeah, to, I, I, was not, I was not being everything she needed, <clears throat> that she needed this God to be happy, to feel fulfilled, and to do all these things. And it would just be like, oh, this again, you know. So, in the background, now that I know the story, my wife was always praying. My wife was praying even after all the stuff we're going through that that God would somehow touch me, bring us back, get us back in the church, and that that would be our real life and that she wanted to get away from what we were doing. Um, so I went and got the Bible, and I started referencing these scriptures. You know, I'm, I'm in books that I've never even heard about, you know, Ephesians and all these things. So I'm, I'm just reading them, and my wife comes up to me. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you care, you know? And I'm a hard now, you know, everything that came out of my mouth at the time, I remember was just so just messed up, you know, I, I had almost nothing nice, nice to say. So we never really talked. Um, and then one day her cousin, which is crazy, her cousin 
that had the quinceanera that I met my wife at out of nowhere. We don't really talk to her that much. She's a good woman, but we don't talk like that. She calls us out of nowhere, and she invites us to church, and she says, hey, there's going to be a special speaker coming to our church. I think you guys will really like it. You know, for some reason, I just felt like I wanted to invite you guys. She's like, uh, so my wife looks at me, and since we're in this term, she looks like, hey, you know, since you're saying if you want to go to church, already with the face and assumption of saying, like, he's going to say no. So she was already going to say no for me. And I'm like, and something in my heart, something in me just jumped and said, I'll go. Like, yeah. And my wife's like, are you serious? So you meant no, but you said yes. Yeah, yeah. Just Something in me just jumped at the opportunity. Like, yeah, I'll go. And my wife looked at me like, you serious? And I'm like, yeah. And I, I almost got mad. I'm like, yeah, dude. And she's like, okay. She's like, well, I guess we're going. And I was like, well, I'm going. But, you know, so, so we ended up going. And uh, it was an hour away from our house. And we went. And I remember going, being high in the back of the church and just sitting there almost expecting to be disappointed and, and feeling like the spirit I was in already was um, – I was already in disbelief of why I was even here. The, the, the enemy was already working at me like, ah, you're here for nothing. So we spent an hour in traffic, and now I'm here, and I'm listening to the guy. And something in me was just like, felt like I was in there by myself. And the stuff he was talking about was just speaking right into my life. And I just, I loved it, you know. And I was like, I got to come back. Even though I knew he wasn't the pastor, I came back. You remember the guy? Oh, my God. No, that's all right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if I if I go back, <coughs> I'll be able to remember minutes, him. You could figure it out, right? Probably. But, uh-huh. but either way, um, <clears throat> I ended up coming back. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to come back next Sunday. And um, I did. And then I kept coming. And then eventually we moved to Antioch, California, back to Antioch, back California. To Antioch. Yeah, back to the church. To be close to this church, which was called King's Chapel in Antioch. Uh, and that's where I, I actually just got into a relationship with my boy Malcolm who is now living in Australia, and then my boy DC, and he is a Hawaiian person. Uh, he's Hawaiian, very good guy. And I think without DC, my mentorship that he gave me through him and DC and Malcolm, these two gentlemen who I give so, and then our pastor, Pastor Phil, um, they were just great men, you know. But DC was one of those men who I was able to relate to and also Malcolm because they came from places like I did. The broken past. The broken past. They had, you know, one was ex, you know, you know, <clears throat> bars and, and girls and all that. And just I, I could relate. And he just kind of, I think I liked him because he kept it real with me. You know, he didn't try to do all this he extra nice stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He just got straight to the point. Like, it's not going to look pretty. What you're going to go through is not going to always feel good. This isn't about you feeling good all the time. This ain't even about you. You know, what really this is, is what God wants to do through you. And I'm like, and that's sometimes going to make you feel uncomfortable. Oh, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. You know, I don't I don't mind feeling uncomfortable. I've been uncomfortable yeah, my whole life. That, yeah. You know, so so I just kept coming. And then I went through the mentorship and uh, just got involved. And eventually the church kind of went kind of weird. Yeah. And uh, we ended up in another church called Fellowship. And at Fellowship is where I felt like it was it was a lot bigger of a church. But at that time, I felt like I was a little bit more grown in my walk where I didn't need to be fed as right. much as I needed right. to be. Now I kind of was like forced to grow up, yeah, you, you know. Could, you could be of service now instead of yeah, being served. Start, start, start pouring into. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that's how fellowship started. And then fellowship was a, a church where you almost didn't know anybody because of how big it was. So big, yeah. Yeah. And that was in Antioch, California? Yeah, that too? was in Antioch, California. It's a great church. Um, 
But uh, for two years, um, God started pouring into my heart. And, 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 and this is what I always tell people is that I don't believe in God because of everything that people tell me that God is. The Bible, I believe in the whole Bible. But it isn't because of the Bible that I believe in God. It's, it's, it's more because of the encounter, right? I believe that a Christian without an encounter right. is, is it's almost, mm, it's almost not, not strong. You know, it, it, it's weak, you yeah. know. It's what uh, makes that relationship it, it, real. It's what makes it tangible, mm-hmm. you know. So for me, uh, my encounter happened <clears throat> in Richmond, California, before making that move to Antioch, which is my confirmation, like, we got to go, right? So I sold everything. We literally sold everything just to have the money to move to a different place. Um, to get out of the hood. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I had my encounter with God in my room through fasting. Uh, my wife's auntie had told me, hey, do you ever, you ever fasted before? And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. You know, what is that? Yeah, so she's like, I'll send you some literature. So she, she texted me uh, some literature on fasting. And then two months later, I'm in this place of like, Man, you know, I'm almost ready to give up. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to explain God. I don't know how to even explain to the people who are around me who are just were smoking and drinking with me why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, you know, all these people have their, their, their reasons why they leave church and all these things. And I think they were assuming I was just in this place that, like, eventually I'll be like, I'll come back. You know, like, he's just having this God moment. And, and I remember always just thinking, like, how can I explain what I'm going through and, 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 and allow myself to be in these circles with people and, and allow them to understand that what I'm going through is not just a mental, you know, relief, yeah. you know, or, you know, almost so, like a rehab, you know, of like real life. whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, God, I need you to be real to me because everything in my life before this has been real. I can, you can fact check me. You can, you can, you know, everything I've done is tangible. It's things that I can prove, you know, but I don't know how to prove you are real to me yet, right? So I remember two months prior to that, her auntie says, do this fasting thing. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna do the fasting thing. So the first day I just skipped a meal, right? And I read my Bible and prayed, you know, read my Bible and prayed throughout the day. Uh, And then the next day I was just like, you know what? I need more. So I'm going to do water fasting. So I did that. Woke up, set a breakfast, read my Bible, pray. Lunch, read my Bible, pray. Dinner, same thing. And at the end of the day, I asked my wife. And by this time, we had did a marriage thing and we're a little bit better. We decided to give it a chance. And I walk up to her and I said, babe, do you want to read the Bible with me? She's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. So we go to the bed. And this is nighttime. It's about 8, 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, dark outside. Open our Bibles. We start reading. And her auntie calls this two months after. And she's like, hey, you know, she's a Spanish speaker. She she's, uh, says, I was praying God put you on my heart to call you and see how you're doing. How you guys doing? I'm like, oh, we're good. She was like, oh, praise God. She was like, um, my son, did you ever take up my advice that I gave you? I said, of what? She's like, you know, the fasting. I'm like, oh, she's like, um, yeah, she's like, you can tell me. I'm like, well, I'm actually fasting right now, you know. She was like, oh, praise God. She's like, it's okay. You don't worry. Because I had just read, I told her, I just read the Bible. You're not supposed to boast about fasting, you know. But she's like, don't worry. I know your heart. You know, I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, well, I'm actually fasting today. She's like, well, let me pray for you. I'm like, fine, cool. So we started praying and you know, put our books down. And I held my wife's hand and we are in our bed. And she starts praying. And I have my eyes closed. And when I close my eyes, my whole ceiling just opened up. It just opens up. And it's bright, sunny outside just beautiful day 
And I'm looking at the sky and I just see this big, big gold building in the sky, just huge and illuminating, almost pulsating like it was alive. And I can feel it. And it scared me at first. And then, and then after being scared for just a second, I was in awe of it. I'm just looking at it and I couldn't keep my eyes off of it. And as I'm looking at it, it just never came down. It just became closer. That's how I can explain to you know. I never see it descend. It just was, and as I'm getting, as it's getting closer, its presence just gets closer. So you 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 literally have a vision yeah. of God's kingdom. Yeah. And as as you're sitting there holding your wife's hand, a yeah. broken marriage, yeah. wife's hand holding her hand, praying, you have a vision yeah. of the kingdom of God descending in your room. Yeah. Let's let's continue that. Yeah. And let's land this plane. Yeah. Next time, yeah. our final episode, uh, episode four, um, talking with Ivan. Guys, thanks so much for checking yeah. us out. I'm Clayton from 316 Creative Works. This is a 316 podcast. We'll be back next week to finish our talking with Ivan. Thanks, brother. Great job. Hey, this is Clayton from 316 Creative Works talking about our podcast. Listen, if you like any of this stuff that you saw or you heard, I'm going to give you a couple places where you might find it besides coming in live to the Farmhouse Studios. There's a couple platforms you can find these on. Um, <clears throat> so you can check out Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and SoundCloud. So for the cheap seats in the back there, let me say this one more time. You can go to Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and SoundCloud. You can find it under 316 Podcasts.